0: Hey, Rebels, before we start the program, I forgot to mention every donation received from now to the end of the year, you'll get a free book. If you donate, I will write you personally, send you a list of all the books we have to offer, and you can choose whatever you want. Any donation, any amount, I'll write you. You get a free book. All right, here's the program. Hey, Rebels, can you believe it? This is the last program of 2017, our final broadcast, and that means it's the final three days to donate to Rebel Parenting, to help our cause, to help strengthen marriages, to help parents be better parents. You can do so at rebelparenting.org and click on the donate tab. All donations are tax deductible. Rebel Parenting is a tiny organization. Just over a year ago, we started with 38 people on our mailing list. That's it. We don't have the focus on the family mailing list or the family talk mailing list or all that stuff in our pocket. We've got you listeners, a supporters, a tribe of believers in marriage and in parenting, and we appreciate you. Today's broadcast is with our friend Emily Freeman. She has a book called Even This, and really this one talks to moms, and it deals with that question that all of us have. It's a book to moms, but I got to tell you, I got so much out of it as a dad and as a man and as a husband and a father, because it asked the question, even this, can you give the Lord even this? And she breaks it down into four categories. It's fear, control, doubt, and trust. At this time of the year, as we're starting 2018, as we're ending 2017, let's give the Lord all Of our problems, all of our cares, all of our worries, even this. Let's enjoy the program with Emily Freeman here at the last part of our year in 2017. Thank you so much for listening. We love you guys so much. Here's Emily Freeman on today's edition, the last one of the year of Rebel Parenting. Emily, thank you so much for coming on Rebel Parenting today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, your book, uh, it kind of strikes a nerve. It's called Even This. And I think in Christendom, in polite Christianity, we think, oh, and we say you can bring anything to God. He's always there for Mm -hmm. you. And we've got these platitudes that we say and these little cliche things we post quotes on Instagram. (laughs) I also think when real crisis hits... When you feel like you're scraping the bottom of the barrel, there is a question, is God good enough for me to bring him this, Mm -hmm. whatever that this is? And... What what was the impetus for this book? You know, how did you decide to bring this conversation into light? It's a scary conversation to have. What if the answer is no? Nope he's not he's not good enough to bring him this. The, you know, all these things you can bring him, but not this. It's a scary question to ask.
1: Mm-hmm. Is I've got um, four of my kids got married in seven months. Ooh. Um, oh Is that crazy? And yeah. Now they're all um, moving forward with their lives and um, Mm -hmm. their spouses and they're kind of walking through life together now. And as I'm watching them, I realize this is a stage in life where they're going to lean less on me and hopefully more on Mm -hmm. God as they Mm -hmm. start working through those things. And as I watched them going through that, it made me think to myself, they need to know that God is real And that He's there for them, both in the good times and in the really hard times. And if we don't talk about the hard times, then people don't know that He's a God who is as big as that, that He can Mm -hmm. handle that with you, that He will walk through that with you. And I looked over my life and I thought, there's a lot of things I haven't told my kids. There's a lot of dark places Mm that I haven't shared with anyone. And if we don't share those dark places, then when someone gets in them, how do they navigate through it if none of mm. us are ready to talk about it?
2: Oh, Emily, I love this. Uh, our mentor talks to us about having someone being able to hold your story. Mm. So how did this, as a new mom, how did this start to unravel? Because I'm assuming that these, uh, this book started a long time ago. Um, could you share a little bit about that?
1: Yes. So right before I got married, four days before um, my fiance was feeling sick, we went into an instant care. We thought maybe he was getting strep throat, mm. and um, when when we were in there, the doctor all of a sudden said, "I think he's got a tumor, and, and you need to go see an oncologist." And he wanted Aww. us to post on the wedding. And. Um, it was all this crazy stuff that who, who plans for something like that? And oh. we decided we were going to go ahead and get married. And, um, he said, just immediately when you get back to Utah, you've got to get into a cancer doctor mm. and you've got to go through this. And so Whoa. instead of coming home and opening wedding presents and doing all that and moving into your apartment and, and making yeah. those memories, we were three months into surgery and recovery and all of those things that, um, was one of those times when I was like, am I old enough to do this? Because I yeah. <laughs> am I an adult now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Emily. And I can remember the doctor walking in, um, the first appointment and saying Mrs. Freeman. And I looked around mm. for Greg's mom, like, yeah, uh, I'm not oh, I'm sure. Freeman. And, yeah. um, it, it was one of those crucible moments where you have to, to, it's too big for you. It's bigger than the people who you've normally leaned on for strength. Yep. And it was the first time in my life where I had to say, okay, is this God I've been praying to for 20 years, <laughs> is is he real? You know, is, is he there for me in this? Because I've never gone through anything. Like that before.
2: Emily, I just want to stop right there. Thank you for being honest about that. Cause I run into friends that talk about things like that and they're scared to have those questions. So thank you. And I think it's okay to live in that question sometimes, yes. especially when faced with that trauma.
1: Yep. And I think that's important for us to realize that our relationship with God is never stagnant. Mm -hmm. I don't think we ever get to a place where we say, well, now I know God in every capacity Mm -hmm. and I'm done and I'll just lean on that God for the rest of my life. I think Mm -hmm. all through life we progress in that relationship and we either progress toward a closer and more intimate relationship, or or we eventually walk away from that relationship. And every day we're moving one direction. Either direction. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan and I firmly believe that you're either
2: participating or resisting. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm Emily, when you write this book, there's a lot of vulnerability in it. You know, you share a lot of things and it helps us go through it. But did you ever question that? Did you ever ask yourself, oof, I don't know, maybe I'm sharing too much. You know, and I don't think so, but I know it's hard to write that way. Did you, did you look for other ways to try to tackle this subject or did you just think, you know what, I got to dive in? No,
1: that's so interesting you noticed that because I actually wrote this whole book one time in the beginning at a very surface level, um, very, Mm. very Mm. prescriptive and, and just kind of, um, not with a lot of detail or a lot of maybe heart. And then I read through it and I thought to myself, the people who need the book the most are not even going to care about any of the words on these pages because they can't, they won't, it won't touch them in that place where they need to walk that through. Yeah. Mm. And so I, um, and I had actually um, turned it in to, my, um, to the people who go through and read all of my first works. And they were going through it and preparing it as if we were going to publish it. And then I, um, I just one weekend I was like, that is the wrong book. It's not the right mm-hmm. book. And I sat mm-hmm. down and started writing and just rewrote the whole thing from that really vulnerable spot. Yeah. And um, I, it, it only took a few weeks to get this version done and <laughs> yeah, I drove awesome. home from um California we we went on a family vacation and several of my kids were in the car my husband and I said um I'm going to read this book to you I'm going to read what I've been writing and I just I want your impression of what do you think plus I was a little worried because I mean it is a little um personal and a lot of tense mm-hmm. moments and we cried the whole way home from California as we relived those mm. moments. But when I was done, my daughter Megan said to me, Mom, this is the best book you've ever written. Oh,
0: yeah. how sweet. Yeah, it's true. It's I wondered about that. My The very first book I wrote, I turned a manuscript in, and it got sent back just with the word no on it. <laughs> and it was shocking at first, but I knew it. I knew it. They just yeah. said, no, this... I don't know what this is, but it's not it's not a book. And when I was reading yours, I wondered about that, especially. And if you can talk about it, when you talk about your son's um, diabetes diagnosis at three, there's so many parents around us that know about this that we've been dealing with that, and it's vulnerable. You're talking about your kids, and you're talking about yourself, and and this road you're walking through. When I write, I wrote a book called, um, wrecked and I dealt with a lot of the painful subjects. And for me, it was hard to revisit those. I just didn't want to go back through those painful moments. Was that difficult? Was it hard to revisit those subjects?
1: Yes, it actually was really, really hard. And, um, in fact, that's the part we just sobbed over on our way home from California was, and, and my kids said to me, we didn't know it was so hard, mom, we didn't know, and um, and you don't. We don't talk about that stuff, but no, those, we don't. those dark nights of feeling so alone in that dark place where you thought you were never going to laugh again and um, mm-hmm. wondering how how you were ever going to come out of that, I think those are the places where we come to know God the most, and what's been amazing is that story has connected with so many people and, mm-hmm. and not just people who have kids with diabetes, um, even people who don't have kids, just the thought of being in that dark place that you can't get yourself out of mm-hmm. has, has resonated with people that say, I've been in that place and I needed someone to walk me through that eventually mm-hmm. I was going to get out of that place.
2: So um, what are some of the steps you take? Because I have some friends on those dark places right now. What, are, what would you prescribe?
1: And so, um, the, as you go through the book, there are three standouts as you go through three sections. And at the end of every section, there is a process I go through every day, just a reflection process Mm, that whenever I'm going into a dark place or anytime I talk to someone who's in a dark place, these are the three things I always tell people, if you'll just start doing this. It's going to make a difference in your life. And, and it really has to do with turning your life over to God in that moment, mm-hmm. being humble okay. to do that. But then um, every day I do the same thing where I, I sit down in a quiet place that I've set aside time to be able to just have a conversation with God. Mm. And the first thing I do is look back over my day and I try and really pay attention to anywhere where I can see God's hand in the day, anywhere, even in the tiniest things where I just see his fingerprint, where I I see the touch of his heart on my life. And I acknowledge those, but I want, I want to make sure that he's not just there with me every day, but I'm acknowledging God. I saw you here in this moment. And I saw you here in this friend who stopped by and I saw you in the sunset and I saw you wherever. Thanks for that. I want him to know I realize that, and then the second thing that I do is I go through and I try and and pinpoint during the day what held me back from God. Mm. What did I keep? What did I resist? Yeah, okay. yeah. Where did I resist? And mm. um, where did I try and be in control of myself instead of? In, let God take the lead, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. my biggest weakness for sure. And- me too. <laughs> that
0: really is such a great question. Where did I try to control my life when I should let God run my life?
1: Yeah, and mm. um, I acknowledge my mistake in that because mm. I think it's acknowledging the mistake that allows me to try and be better tomorrow. And um, and I then I let it go. And mm. the last thing I do is I ask for what I need God to be in my mm. life rather than asking for what I need him to do, which is so common, but I ask for what I need him to be. Sometimes mm-hmm. I need him to be generous. Sometimes I need him to be forgiving. Sometimes I need um, him to be patient. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I need him to be wisdom for me when mm-hmm. I don't have the mm-hmm. wisdom that I need. And and I go through and um, as I read scripture now, as I go through the word, I'm looking for who God is. So that in those moments when I'm face- facing a life crisis, I can say to Him, God, I need you to be abundant in this, mm-hmm. or, or whatever, that capacity that we can learn to trust in if we just know what it is. And the and mm-hmm. last part of that is as I lean into that capacity of who God already is and, and what He's capable of being in my life, then the last thing I do every day is say to Him, what do you need me to do? Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah move forward and for me that is the best way out of a dark place because as as you're realizing god's walking through that dark place with you that he's there that he's in the tiny details and the ordinary moments and as you let go the fear and the control and as you look at that god is greater he's bigger than anything you're facing right now and you lean into his capacity instead of yours Hmm. And then ask that simple question. What do you need me to do? He's going to lead you step by step out of that darkness. He will. He knows how to do that.
2: He will. Um, Emily, I know you can speak to the mom of this because you're a mom of four. What about the mom who has five kids under the age of eight? Yeah. And you're like, oh, you want me to go find a quiet place? Yeah, that's not really going to happen. Can you morph this?
1: Yes. Or, and what- so... Um, for me, most often, so I had five kids um, oh. for, um, that we raised, and we um, all of them are close in age. So we had four that got married in the seven months, and then I had one who graduated from high school a year after. So we went from an entirely full household to no one. And um, that full household, those full household moments, that conversation with God took place for me. Either really late at night or really early in the morning. Okay. Um, Those were the times, and also, this is funny but true. There are times in my life when my car has become my haven, where (laughs) become the quiet place. And I, um, I've kind of have this rule about not turning on the radio and um, just go. Once I've dropped everyone off wherever they needed to go, and I got in there and I closed the door. That was the place where I could talk to God with no mm-hmm. interruption. I just set aside the phone, turned off the radio. Yep. And I had, you know, that 20 minutes of drive time to just um, take that time and go through. But, but in that story with Josh that you mentioned that really dark year, it was yeah. the night times after everyone was asleep, including my mm-hmm. husband, Greg, those were mm-hmm. my moments with God.
0: Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: Emily, Moms experience loneliness a lot. And I just wonder, can you figure out or do you know, what is it about being a mom that makes women so susceptible to that isolation or that loneliness?
1: Oh, for sure. I think one of the things that makes us the most lonely is you're carrying the heaviest burdens your children bear. And that carrying sometimes is a sacred and a secret experience. There are things that you're not going to share with people outside of your home. Yep. And sometimes those moments make us lonely because mm-hmm. we're, we're carrying a burden that we can't express out loud. And then you're with people who seems like their life is going fantastic and everything's going well and they're happy and and they're saying all the good things and, and you don't really have someone you can turn to for mm-hmm. um, that strength or that support. For me, those were the loneliest moments of my life, were the times when I was walking through something with one of my children that I didn't feel like I could share with my friends. Yeah, And, um, and that makes life lonely as you go through. And, and sometimes, even though you've got maybe family support, uh, there's still some of those moments. Um, I look through some of the hardest moments of my life, and some of the moments... With my kids, it's still only my husband and I know, and that child.
0: That's right. And
1: it's sacred. Because
0: it's their story. It's It's not your story to share with your friends. Even your closest confidant, even your mentor, even your best friend. This is somebody else's story.
2: They are human.
0: (laughs) And it would hurt them if they thought you were talking about it with another person. This was only shared with you. It's a sacred mother, child, or spouse type of man You know, until you said that, I would never have thought that. And yet I can think of so many things that Laura and I hold sacred that we would never tell someone in a million years. And of course it does feel lonely. You feel like there's this burden and there's a burden for your child. And you know, that, oh. Man, Emily, that is some wise counsel. Oof. Well,
2: and I want to go to the flip side. If there are things out there that need to be brought out into the light and shared, I think you should find the community mm-hmm, that is healthy mm-hmm. and, yep. and find that avenue to, well, to and, those listeners out there.
1: Yep. And, and finding the, the community side. where when someone says to you, we're walking through something really hard right now, mm-hmm. being the type of friend who doesn't need the details yep. to be Amen. someone and can support. Mm-hmm. Yes. Find those people, please. They are
2: out there. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and and even that's where if you, we have a lot of people listen in small communities, and they're like, "Listen, I'm in a small community. Like this stuff can't." That's where the internet is a great thing. Finding yeah. someone online that you can have a confidant, so you can trust, that you can yeah. talk to, whatever that community is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. definitely. Um. Emily, there are people listening now that are struggling. You know, and they're feeling desperate. Uh, you've got all these different intimate moments of prayer. And I know sometimes in our desperation, it's, Laura and I have written down, when a crisis hits, these are the things. Did we eat? Did we get proper sleep? Uh, you know, there's these odd basics that you just they th- get thrown out the window and we think what you know i can't believe i'm so out of control and it's like, i haven't eaten or i've eaten too much sugar or i haven't slept in four days or but whatever usually, it is yeah
2: usually when crisis hits you don't <clears throat> need to do those the yeah. best. Sure. yeah
0: but when someone's in a crisis and they're thinking i want to pray but i just you know if it, maybe it's finances and all they can think is lord pay my bills pay my bills all they can think it's <laughs> just this neon sign in their front of their face pay bills yeah. pay bills pay bills mm-hmm. How do we start to pray to get off that seeming, that crazy train that's that, you know, freak out?
1: Oh, that is such a great question. And I think of a time in my own life that was just like that. I write about it in the book where we all have that prayer that we've been praying every day. We've been praying it for weeks. We've been praying it for months. God knows what we're going to ask before we even start the conversation because it's that ongoing prayer of our life and and i think what happens is we start praying it and then we're going to come up with the solution because it seems like god isn't mm. so yes yep then yep. we want to lay out for him well if you can't figure out what
0: to do oh let me help you i'll, I'll, I'll tell you oh, god. I'll, hey god isn't this a good idea wouldn't it be great if you could just solve my problem like this? Yes, and which still
1: doesn't work. Do you notice? We still keep saying that prayer. And in my life, mm. it's the prayer that doesn't even begin with God or end with amen. It's I just pick it up where I left off the day before, and, and I mm. keep pleading for that thing, whatever it is. And it was in one of those particular moments that I had that um, experience that I was telling you about where all of a sudden I thought to myself— instead of asking God for what I need him to do, maybe I need to ask for what I need him to be. And it Mm. was a revolutionary moment for me, because instead of saying like what you were saying, I need you to get me out of debt. I need you to figure out how to get rid of all these bills I need. And maybe if you did this, maybe if my husband got a promotion, maybe if I, this project I'm working on did unbelievably well, maybe if you had all these people, you know, you start trying to go through all this negotiating and, um, instead I just stopped at that moment I said the shortest prayer I've ever said in my life which was um, God can you just be great and abundant and generous in my life and mm. and then I ended it and that was the end of it, it? Hmm. every single day instead of the, the long drawn out prayer and telling God how he should work it out I just asked for what I knew he could be yeah. and it was in that mm-hmm. moment the answers started coming in my life, which is so crazy. As soon as I wasn't going to dictate how he should solve the problem, mm-hmm. the problem started solving on its own because I stepped back and I just said, God, I'm giving this to you. You you fix this how you think it should be done mm. and I'll trust it to you. But what I've learned from that isn't, it's not as much about the prayer for me as it has been about getting in the word. Because if I don't know God's capacity, I don't know what I need to ask him to be in that moment mm-hmm. yeah. and and so it sent me into that I spend so much time in Scripture just trying to come to know God better so that I can then get out of the way and let mm-hmm. God move in my life mm-hmm.
0: yeah, mm-hmm. you know I was thinking it's interesting when you were saying this because recently I've been struggling and I've been anxious about something and I've been trying to focus on the fact that God loves me more than I understand. He loves my kids more than I do. He loves me more than Laura loves me. He loves Laura more than I love her. And I keep trying to remind myself of that and think of new ways to see how much more God loves me than I even know. And that perspective shift changes the anxiousness a little bit. because it's doesn't it? it's a reminder, God, it's not just that he loves me, but he cares. He's done these things. He's proven it in the past. He'll prove it again in the future. He's listening to me right now. He knows every hair on my head. He knows the number of days in my life. If he cares when a sparrow falls. I mean, there's all these things, but in the crisis, we forget it. And I've been trying to write those things down and think of them to shift my perspective. Which
1: is so smart because instead of leaning into fear, it allows us to lean into faith. And I think when we lean into faith, we're able to receive mm. more clear inspiration as to how to work with God in
0: resolving
1: those issues in our life.
0: Mm. 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 Definitely.
2: So, Emily, what about someone who's listening who's like, okay, even this, what about like this ongoing sin that's been going on for 20 years? What or what about the ongoing struggle or and they're just like, how can I connect with God with even this? It Mm-mm. just
1: Do you ever run across that? Yes, I do. And and, um, in fact, I've had a lot of people who have read this book who actually haven't had a connection with God at all for years. Mm -hmm. And um, who, after reading the book, this is not the God that I grew up believing in, this God who you're describing. And I actually would like to have a relationship with a God like this. Mm -hmm. right, (laughs) with a God who wants to invest in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's been interesting to have conversations with people to say exactly what you're saying. God loves you more than you know he does. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter where you are. I tell people all the time, you don't have to earn God's love. You don't have to qualify for that love. It is Mm -hmm. already, it's already there. You think of the woman caught in adultery Right. And yep. they bring her in, they throw her at the feet of Jesus in the middle of the temple. And what did she do to qualify for God's love in that moment? What did she do? And you look at that story and you realize her sin qualified her for God's love. Yep. She, she didn't even choose to come there on her own. Mm-hmm. She was brought there and thrown there and already she had love. She already had it. It was already there. And all she had to do was lean into it. And I I would say to all those listeners, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter any of those things. He will meet you where you are, as you are, but he doesn't intend to leave you there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to him, he'll walk you out of that place.
0: Yeah. Emily, it's interesting. I think this concept applies to someone that's new in faith and someone that's been around for a while because those that are new in faith are thinking, really, I don't have to earn this? He's just giving it to me for, you know, for seemingly no reason. It's out of love, of course. And for those that have been, that have been in the faith a while, I think um, in a way you're pushing people to stop limiting God. You know, When we are talking about finances and I'm thinking, you know, I just need my bills paid, I just need my mortgage paid. And the Lord's like, really, that's all? Just the mortgage? You know, what about a bigger house or what, who knows what? But I'm thinking so small. I'm so, I'm limiting God just to my, can you just get this one problem solved? And he's like, what if I solve all of them or, or none of them and you're happy anyway? Are we, are we limiting God?
1: That's so interesting because the first title that was on this manuscript was actually Limitless. Oh. That, that's what I wanted to call the book, but you know how when it goes in, they tell you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this would be a better title.
0: <laughs> Wait, what? No. Uh,
2: uh, sorry. <laughs> well, what's the title? Oh, I did have a question about the cover of the book. What island
1: is that? Um, so that actually is just a picture that I found. Um, okay. We tried a million different covers, and um, there wasn't one that just that spoke to what was happening in the book. And so I stayed up all night, one night, just going through a million pictures and found that one picture. And I thought, this is it. This is that moment. It's that moment when you're just walking and, and having that conversation with God, that ongoing, pouring out your heart. That's what I wanted the cover of the book to be is, Mm -hmm. is capturing that moment. Mm -hmm. So that's the cover.
0: Emily, you've got a, a really interesting journal in the back of the book, and I think so many authors forget that part. You know, we've we've got a lot of books that um, they relate to where people are. This book, it's great because when you're reading it, you can think of situations we've had in the past, and I go, yes, I can relate to this in Emily's life. I can relate to this in the book, and oftentimes we were gifted a book or we're given a book. We find a book in times of crisis and we read it and we can relate to it. And we think, but now what, what do I do? Mm -hmm. Was your idea to put the journal in? Did someone suggest that? And explain to the reader what the journal does for you. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. Um, no, I, that was my idea to put it in. Um, every book I write, I want, not just to be something that you sit down and it entertains you but i want it to become an experience or mm-hmm. a journey totally. that yeah. that you um, i'm a i'm someone who writes all over in my books in the margins and mm-hmm. i and i think anytime someone's done that i look at the book and i think that is the greatest compliment an author could ever have is to see that somebody mm-hmm. was working out their life through the words that you had put down and for me the most important part of this book is what you're going to do after you read it. And Mm. um, that discovering God, that he's limitless, that we can lean into a capacity that we don't even understand the magnitude of, is the most powerful part of the book for me. And at my house, I keep a little journal where as I read the word, every time I discover something new about God, I write that word down in this little journal that I keep by my bed. And I I write down where I found it. And if I see the word again somewhere else, I go back in my journal and I write another example of this. This is just another witness that God is this. I can I can see mm-hmm. in these pages. And so then when I'm struggling or one of my kids is struggling or I have a dear friend who's struggling, I pull out that journal and I go through the pages and I just mm. think to myself, what do they need from God right now? If, like, if I were to look at them in this situation, what do they need from God? Mm-hmm. And it becomes that place where then you go back and see, this This is what I need God to be right now in my life. And I go back to the scriptures that are in there. I go into the stories where I see God being that for someone else in their life and how did it work for them and, and what do I need to be doing in order for him to to be able to work in my life. Um, I, I want it to become that for people, that they can set it next to their bed and and work through what are you going through right now? What is mm-hmm. your, even this? And, yeah. and I wish I could be there. I wish I could sit at your kitchen counter and we would talk through what to do, but <laughs> we don't have that that luxury. But maybe that book becomes that conversation. It becomes that... Mm-hmm. if. Sit down on your couch and say, here's what I do today. That's what I tell you is what's in the book.
0: Yeah, that's great. right. Thank you. That's right. And then we get to in a way, you yep. know, we can't sit down with you personally, but in a way we get to, because this is what you'd say if you were sitting here, Yeah, man, Emily, thank you so much. What a mm-hmm. great broadcast. I think this thank is you. really helping people. We appreciate you being here.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me.
0: Rebels, I hope you were blessed by that broadcast. I was. I was blessed by Emily. I'm blessed by that book. And just thinking that I can give the Lord anything. I can give him my fears, my doubt, the trust, the control, all those things I struggle with, I can give it to Him every single day. When I wake up in the morning, when I go to bed at night, we can give the Lord everything. And that is the heart and soul of Rebel Parenting. That's what we are all about here. It's what makes me a good husband and a good father is Jesus Christ, and that's what we want to present to you all. Even this. Thanks to Emily Freeman for coming on the broadcast and talking about that amazing book. It is the last couple of days of the year. It's the last time you can give to Rebel Parenting and get a tax break on your 2017 taxes. You can do so at rebelparenting.org. Click on the donate tab. All donations are tax deductible. They will go to helping marriages get better, parents be better parents, and that we can extend the reach of Rebel Parenting into 2018. God bless you all. Thank you for listening. Thanks for sharing it with your friends. We will see you next year. God bless.